Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Well, that was Varmints. Uh, and actually, I should have said uh, Nautilus from Varmints. And the album is by Anna Meredith. And it actually came out in 2016. And there's a little more of it behind me. But I'm going to put an end to that pretty swiftly. Let us hear what Anna Meredith is up to now. Because uh, here is the opening track. It's called Start Engines. Um, and... Uh, I think uh I think it's a, a little bit of a surprise. Drivers, bumps per minute is about to begin. We'll be cruising clockwise, so keep your limbs and loved ones under control at all times. If you require assistance, wave your hands in the air and our team of experts will rush to your rescue. So, buckle up. Start your engines. Get ready to rumble. Get ready to trundle. We drive in three, in two, in one. Well, that's the beginning of Bumps Per Minute by Anna Meredith. Her new work, which even now is going to be delighting crowds or non-crowds, as we'll hear, at Somerset House. Uh, Anna Meredith, if you don't know anything about Anna Meredith, I can't believe it, frankly. For nearly 20 years, she has been um, dominating, dominating my world and dominating the world of uh, people who are looking for a kind of fresh approach to contemporary classical music. And that is definitely what she's done. It's also, as it happens, a fresh approach to all kinds of tech music as well. Um, she's a person who wrote Hands Free, uh, in which uh, musicians in the Albert Hall didn't pick up their instruments at all for the entire work. Um, she's done symphonies which have included beatboxes. Um, she's done that amazing track that you just heard before, Nautilus. And now, well, a little later on, we might hear what she did at uh, when she opened the proms a couple of years back when there were still full-hearted proms with five telegrams. Uh, uh, just an amazing piece of work which literally lit up the Albert Hall um, inside and outside. But now she's working with bumper cars. Bumper cars. How did this occur? I mean, you know, if you'd have come in and said, yeah, this time it's going to be can openers and marbles, I'd have believed that too. And I'd have gloried in it. But bumper cars, tell me about it. Practically, the, what happened with this project was my studio is in Somerset House in London, which has a big courtyard. And I was talking to Jonathan Rieke, who's the chief exec there. And normally Somerset House have a very classy, lovely ice skating at Christmas. 
and he was saying, and this would be well over a year ago when everything was all going wrong and everything was getting cancelled and we all didn't have a clue what, you know, what was going to happen. He was saying, oh, I don't think we're going to do ice skating. And I just immediately said, well, I definitely think you should do dodgems. It's perfect for it. It's a big flat space and it can be distanced and it can be cleaned and all this stuff. And miraculously, he said, let's go for it. And then I also managed to shoehorn in. I said, well, and also I think I should write some new music for it so that it's not just dodgems. So it kind of felt like a very natural, natural thing to suggest at the time. And um, just just tell us uh, a little more about your um, love of fairgrounds, because I think listeners might have missed that bit due to a, a slight um, flicker here. But carry on. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I've always been a bit... Uh, fascinated and a bit scared of fairgroundy stuff you know definitely as a kid the the draw of the local fairground and all the sights and smells and you know the, the all the chat about the rides you were going to go on and then you'd go down with your pocket money and you know there'd be these kind of cool older kids you know pushing the rides along and um who who you know lived on site and they'd play this amazing music you'd never heard and it was this kind of sexy grown-up scary alluring um uh kind of you know junk foodie fueled a couple of days in the local you know my village and um, so there's always been this intrigue, but I was also a massive wuss who would never, you know, chicken out of going to stuff. And as I've got older, I've kind of weirdly reclaimed that. Like quite recently, I've started going on roller coasters a bit and, you know, kind of plucking up the courage to do some of these things. I was too much of a wuss to do when I was a kid. So, yeah, that kind of... I've actually gone the other way. I've actually gone the other way. Well, uh, yeah, I, I had my 50th birthday quite a while ago, um, with uh, grandchildren and everything uh, at, at um, some big theme park. And we went on all the rides and some people were sick and that was great and I loved it. But now I can't really face it. And I did actually have a bad experience on the, at the WOMAD fairground with one of my daughters when we made the mistake of eating a lot of donuts before we got on this ride, which is a bit yeah. like being in the back of a dust cart. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, schoolboy error there. You've got to really pace, you know, and even no matter how tempting it might feel to drink loads, you've got to, but, but, you've got to really pace Stuff. But a couple of things about your fairground experiences. So, um, so when you were very little, and what you describe as a, a wuss, um, did so? Did you prefer the the kind of sideshows where you could win goldfish in bags, which seems a bit cruel now, frankly, um, or you go uh, fishing for plastic ducks, which actually that's bad for the planet too. But anyway. <laughs> I think the honest answer is I wanted to be in all the scary rides. So I'd be the person standing at the side watching them, you know, really think, you know, fascinated and intrigued and wishing I was braver, but not quite able to push myself over the line. So I'd convince myself that I was loving the lame little kind of puttering kids train or the, you know, I, I just I wanted to be braver, but I wasn't. But I was obsessed and intrigued and very drawn to these kind of adult, fast-paced, loud volume, bit of danger. You know, it it was very, very attractive. But I, my, and that's where I wanted to be. And my heart wasn't really in the other stuff, no matter how much I tried to tell myself otherwise. And and the music that you heard then, I mean, what did that sound like? 
I mean, this would be 90s and it would be, you know, I don't, didn't have computer game consoles as a kid um, or even really listen to much music growing up. And, you know, I guess there'd be, so this would be like early, early sort of dance, well, dance music, rave stuff, techno things, things I didn't know or, but, you know, it was loud and it was beat driven and it was all very synthy and electronic, probably not much vocal stuff or maybe the odd sort of sampled vocal, but definitely stuff that felt quite heightened and, you know, tempos I probably wasn't very used to hearing and probably some like drum and bass and this kind of thing. Yeah, it all felt very exotic. But the, I mean, there's definitely a trad side to the way that you've put this music together. And I guess it does remind you of kind of uh, extremely vibed up. Well, I mean, everyone uses this cliche, so I will too. Um, it's kind of like computer game music on steroids. But on top of that, it's got a whole kind of, like all the fairground organ stuff seems to be seeping in at the sides. And um, I wonder where, where you kind of got swept away on that. Was that actually at the fairground or is that something else? To get these sound worlds? No, not not to... Well, just what, you know, what, what brought you to fairground organs as well? Mm. Because, I mean, do you see what I mean? Because you could have done, like, given the kind of thing that happened when you got on the whip or the bumper cars and, like, the, the guys were there pushing around in leather jackets mm. and greasy hair and all that fantastic stuff. Well, mm. uh, you know, the music that you heard was just heavy bass. I, I, can, I, I can remember lots of you know, stack sounds and Tamla Motown and things like that, as well as, you know, mm. kind of uh, seaside and fairground music. Mm. I mean, definitely this music is not, you know, this isn't heavy, fast techno. You know, these tunes are in a way quite traditional, like you say. They're almost like little organ studies, maybe more tapping into the sort of stuff you might hear more in a kind of slightly out of control carousel or something so they don't have any beats in them this music it's um entirely uh, yeah it's very old-fashioned i've notated each one of these tracks you know on, on manuscript and done that to generate the midi to generate the information that i've then exported into into synths but it's all been written in a way very classically um they're little miniatures they're what was actually different about writing them though to some other stuff i've done is Normally when I'm writing I like these long form structures that have lots of multi-sections or have lots of moments of changes of direction or changes of feel and you know I spend a lot of time doing the pacing to make sure that there are um, these evolutions and lots of development and here the idea of these tracks is that they, they barge in fully fledged. Um, you know, because if you're writing the installation version of these tracks, you're probably only ever going to hear 10 seconds before someone else bumps you. So they needed to, they needed to almost, you'd almost need to start the track at the climax moment where everything's, it needs to be pretty fully fledged at the beginning. And that was quite kind of freeing to compose because I could just sort of, you know, I had to think of all 18 of these tracks as fully evolved, confident, different to each other, bold uh, entities that had to match each other, had to be balanced, but it meant I could write some kind of quite fun things that I probably wouldn't have written otherwise just as part of the sort of pie chart of what I wanted the balance of all the elements to be. Well, 
Um, I'm going to play another. Well, I think you have to play them in twos, actually, because um, they're very short. Um, so I'm going to play yeah. uh, BPM 144. That's the third track, followed by the fourth track. Um, and then let's talk about how it works online and how it works at Somerset House. Um, yeah. But uh, here we are, BPM 144 Well that was uh, BPM 108 which followed fast on the um well, fast on the dodgem of uh BPM 144 and uh, you were just talking about the titles apparently although I'm enjoying the fact that they're called BPM and then some numbers um you're actually going to give them some names Yeah they have full initially they were just the tempos the BPMs and that's what's up on you know online just now but there are these titles that as we were mixing and making them and the guys in my band who I was sort of running them by, you know, and we all just couldn't tell them apart eventually. So we started to give them all little nicknames based on how they sound or little in-jokes we were hearing when we were playing them and they've just stuck. So, that, But they're quite fun, they're off kilter. You know, there's names like um, Family of Rats or Tom Cruise Runs or Pursued by Pigeon, you know, there's 18 titles like that, but we're running this competition for one more week to see if people can match up the BPMs with the names. Insanely unlikely statistics of actually getting them all right, but there's prizes and stuff for people to win, which I thought this might be a fun way to give people a bit of a, you know, experiment about, and then we'll pop the real titles up um, in a week's time. And so, but will people actually... Uh eventually name one of them, them you know with their idea is that what you were saying it's even more egotistical than that it's literally i've given there's like a prize it's like a name matching competition oh, there's right. 18 okay. yeah so if you go it's on this website which is bumpsperminute.com and then if you go to win there's a page where there's 18 names and 18 dodgems each one has its has it's a bpm number and you drag the dodgem onto the name and it matches it up and then you say right these are the ones i think are that these you know this is the one that i think is uh, owl tinder and you know then you then you match it up and you put it in and you can win some kind of extraordinary you know award-winning prize so yeah it's not it's not your naming it's your matching skills i see okay i got it i got it now but also i see that you can win one of five bonza prizes <laughs> what, <laughs> hey the real premium that you get well I mean I say that you get to have a go on the actual dodgems maybe even against me you know that's and by now having tried these things out I'm quite the I'm quite the driver if I say so myself um okay so uh so this exists as a thing online and in fact I'm looking at it as we speak um and uh, every time you crash a one bumper car into another one it breaks into a new track yeah, so we wanted to have I, a I few... haven't actually managed to do that yet. I keep trying. Oh dear, okay. Well, it's, um, yeah, it's just to have some different 
ways of doing this thing. I, you know, not everyone's going to come to London and, um, you know, be in the real dodgems. And we wanted to make a version. And even I think, you know, so it's about, because on the real dodgems, it's going to be about the juxtapositions. There's going to be no control over who bumps into who and which tracks are triggered. So we tried to create that experience by this little, very lo-fi, 80s, pixelated version where you can drag a dodgem and smash it into another and it will change a track. But equally, if you're just listening on Spotify, I'm also thinking, just jump around. It's fine to interrupt the tracks with each other. You know, you obviously can sit and listen to it start to finish, but I'm really happy for people to, you know, sort of shuffle about as well. OK. Now, um, describe... Uh, well, first of all, I should say that... Uh, if you're listening to this and you're extremely eager to see what the website looks like, just go to www.bumpsperminute.com and you'll find it all, including for another week, the right to be part of that name matching competition. Um, and don't forget, the prizes are not ordinary. They are bonza. Um, but, but, but then how does it work at, at, uh, at Somerset House? So I go down to Somerset House and what do I find? So I've worked with this amazing sound artist who has also got a studio at some of the house, this guy called Nick Ryan. So when I said I wanted to have this thing where the bumper, the bumps of the bumper cars would trigger the tracks, you know, I was very well me saying that, but I had no technical idea of how to make that happen. So he's worked with his team on this really beautiful uh, sensor. After trying various options, there's now actually in the footwell down by the pedal, there's a box that contains a free suspended weight, and that weight is completely hanging loose while you're driving. And then, as you have an impact, the degree of how far or fast the weight moves tells a sensor whether it's a swerve or a bump. And there's, you know, there's definitely a nuanced difference in the way this weight moves. And when it's counted as a bump, it sends a, a signal over a network to a computer to trigger the track. So my event, called Bumps Per Minute as well, happens once every hour or once every half hour. So it's not every go on the dodgems, there's regular music playing the rest of the time. But then this is kind of intervention when the whole site, you know, they've got, when we've got surround speakers all around the outside of the courtyard. And for this three minutes of this thing, uh, the bumps are registered and when there's a bump you hear this brilliant surround kind of ripple of sound all around the courtyard for each impact and mirrored by lights as well and the track changes so I think it's quite a kind of cacophonous loud sort of takeover for three minutes and then after that the site goes back to playing whatever you know stuff it was doing before so it's a sort of little dominating moment. And, and where do the Oh, and, and how uh, are the audience arrayed around it? So there's people, well, because the whole site has been designed by this brilliant artist called Yinka Lori, and it was designed to still allow be distance, so these little pods that he's made that people can sit in, so that when, when initially this was designed where you, when you could only come to an event and sit and you know drink or eat in, in a seated thing, there was no walking around, think the rules might be changing but they've definitely built it with that as an option so you know quite a lot of people are just coming with their kids there's fountains there's food trucks there's a bar there's djs you know they're just coming to have a day out or a night out and you know some people might you know probably aren't even coming for the dodgem stuff but so you know 
from watching people, there seems to be a nice mix of people completely ignoring it and having going about their time. The people in the dodgems, we've put a little quad system in the actual what's called tilt in the roof of the dodgems. Um, so as people, you know, hopefully it's quite a visceral, loud thing for the people driving, and it's quite fun. It definitely kind of uh, anthropomorphizes. Is that what I mean? You're dodgem driving, you know, and you suddenly trigger a spooky track or a frenetic track. It's quite. Um, it, it makes it kind of soundtracks the whole experience. But then there's also these big sonic swipes all around the courtyard that rip all the way around. So you have some people who are just standing, listening and enjoying them in the courtyard in front of the dodgems. And are there big queues to actually get in the, do in the dodgems? Yeah, it's a bit of a mix. Um, there are some thing is only every hour, every half hour. Some people are, you know, maybe specifically queuing to get on that. Other people just want to watch it and get on whenever. Yeah, I think it depends the time of day, the weather, all that sort of thing. But so far, I think it's going pretty well. I haven't been there the whole time, but I've been told that, you know, it's going well, I think. And just out of curiosity, are people wearing masks or maybe not because it's an outdoor courtyard? I think what I can see is I think there's some masks in the queues. The dodgems themselves are wiped down so people aren't wearing them on the dodgems. That's what I've seen. It's not on the dodgems, bit in the queues and then not on the hanging around the courtyard. And, and, I don't can, know. and can people of any age... Well, at least, no, you're obviously not of any age. But, but, <laughs> but you know, so um, what's the kind of health and safety thing behind who can drive and who can't? I think it's height rather than age. So I think they've got a little stick. Um, and I think, I don't know, I can't remember the exact heights, but I think it's a metre or a metre ten means you could go on it, but with an adult, and a metre thirty means you could go on it without an adult. So I... I'd, maybe sort of seven or eight-year-olds, that kind of age plus. It's a brilliant... But it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's a brilliant, brilliant project, and it's labyrinthine in terms of how you've got all the different sorts of artists working together. Um, mm. Is it is it going to tour? I mean, I'd love it to. I mean, I think... Um, you know, now that actually Somerset House have built all this infrastructure and we've figured out all the, you know, well, Nick and his team as well figured out so many of the aspects of the communication of the triggers and, and you know, we've got, we've made all the max patches, you know, the sort of software and the rules and the coding, all that stuff works. And there's a network, a sort of Wi-Fi network. So I think now it could almost exist as a package that, you know, someone else could have um, a music festival or a science festival or, a you know, big courtyard anywhere because these dodgems which are carter's dodgems are really beautiful um vintage dodgems that they've painted in and repainted especially for this um this event but you know they're obviously i think you could potentially use other dodgems or these guys you know they're all sort of hireable so i'd that would be great i have no idea how possible that is but yeah I, it definitely could happen elsewhere and like the 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 total vision um, when you first said, look, dodgems are the thing and I'll write some music, did you see the rest of it? I Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really, I mean, a lot of it has just been done by Summers of House, which has been brilliant. Um, and they've done their best with, you know, I know not, not huge amounts of money to make it as much of a place for people to go, you know, as I was saying, with food and drink and a place to have a, a great day I mean I definitely hoped it would be more than just dodgems and I'm really excited that there's you know 
that it's just something, I mean, what I want to do right now is hang out with my friends um, somewhere outside and this seal feels perfect for that. So on that respect, it's, it's, it's everything I kind of hoped it, hoped it would be. I mean, the stuff you always kind of, uh, you, you, you know, in your sort of like wild, you know, because initially it's going to be at Christmas to replace the ice skating. So it'd be dark at that point. And we had all these thoughts for some stuff for lighting that you just can't quite see, obviously, because it's too light during the day now. So there's things that have had to kind of evolve and change a bit around this kind of summer version. But to be honest, now that it's happening now, I'm just really happy about it. Yeah. And, and actually, dodgems are mostly very summery, aren't they? Because like, you know, with all the, all the touring fairs come round when there should be better weather though i know i've actually been on dodgems in the rain as well <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah it feels like it feels like the right moment for an hour it feels great to be able to you know be out in the sun and you know there's kids little kids playing in the fountains and people having a drink and some food it's really nice um well uh let's hear another couple of tracks and i think that you should choose them Okay, hang on. I can never remember the BPM, so let me just look them up very quickly because they're not, as I said, uh, sadly not quite catchy enough. Okay, let's do. I really like 130, BPM 130. And actually, you could then quickly go on to 200 for a bit of contrast with that. Okay, I can do that. That's BPM 200 from Anna Meredith's amazing Bumps Per Minute project, uh, which even now is both online, uh, as I said before, www.bumpsperminute.com. And it's fun. Um, and also, of course, at Somerset House. It's at Somerset House um, seven Until, days a week? Uh, yeah, actually, in six days. I don't think it's there on Mondays. And it's there till the 20-something of August. Yeah, about another month. It, that that's um amazing um it's very difficult to sit still in your chair and listen to this music and i think that <laughs> one of the things that you've always had i mean ever since i think i first saw you live um on the radio three stage at the latitude festival i think it was the late mm -hmm. junction stage and um and i you have this thing that you you drop a beat somewhere in the house of techno which isn't where anyone expects it and it makes the whole thing swivel and you can feel that inside and you can feel you can feel the motion of these tracks it's really kinesthetic music mm, thank you yeah that's that's kind of how i like to think about it i mean i i am always looking thinking looking for something visceral when i'm writing i love music that makes me want to move or makes me clench my fists because I'm so excited or get out of my seat so whether it's playing with rhythm and rhythm or beats or changes of feel or just here just about energy and you know character or something that makes me I can't stop smiling when I hear it I love things that have a sort of physical reaction and I'm looking so when I'm writing I'm checking whether that does that stuff to me does it 
make me want to move or smile or kind of get tense or you know it's a it's a tapping into that that kind of physical feeling and when we play live I do I love watching people um yeah having that same experience you know getting into a feel and then losing it and finding it again or um you know coming on that the sort of shape of the pieces with us is a, is a is an amazing thing yeah and and um and of course the other thing that this is is um something that i mean it's it's happening to things like sculpture that so that you get uh, uh you could call them i mean obviously there are there have been public works of art for centuries or at least a couple of centuries but um but you know now now there are these um amazing uh, sculptures like the kelpies up in scotland um where mm. you it's an event. It's such an amazing thing that it becomes an event. They've got them in, uh, there's a couple of amazing ones in a park in Chicago that, you know, you can see sculpture being a form of entertainment. And this is really what you've done here with music. It's not, I mean, obviously you could say that, you know, music in the Albert Hall or music in the Victoria up in Hackney, that that is or, or I've seen you in both places, but, um, it, you know, you, you could say, well, you, you know, isn't that public art? But this is something different. This is um, finding music where you're not, or finding art music, you could say, or finding music as art where you're not expecting to. You know, you don't expect to find it on bumper cars. Um, have you got more plans like that? And are you yeah, part of a movement? <laughs> I don't think it's any big, you know, plan I've always liked when a piece of music or when an idea for uh, an installation piece comes very naturally and simply in line with wherever the space is that I'm in I did a piece for Manchester International Festival a few years ago where I was asked to pick a location and make an installation piece and I chose this shopping center corridor with M&S on one side and selfridges on the other but it had these four lifts that were facing each other that were all moving up and down in stages and I just saw that and thought well that's like a corral it's like a back corral with four moving parts and each floor of the of the different you know ladies underwear or food hall or you know children's clothing would be different cords and it just felt like an immediate you know well this is exactly you know it was so clear and I knew exactly what to do and and that's kind of what's happened here so there's been a few things like that where I've been lucky enough to have these big um, you know, palettes, I guess, or these big spaces to come up with these, I guess, simple ideas in a playful way. And I've, I've loved it. It's really, it's a really lovely way to work. So yeah, in terms of the like balance of stuff that I want to do going forward, I, you know, I see installation pieces as definitely part of the kind of mix of things I'm looking to do more of. Well, I look forward to seeing more of them. That's um, yeah. it's great. And um, do you think that um, do you think it's something that arts funders are increasingly looking to create? Maybe. I mean, I definitely agree that some of these big public visual art, or you know, are and especially now we want ways to you know we never needed to show the importance of the arts to people more and. Um, you know, the desire to connect with people, however empty that might sound, feels so important right now. So um, I, but I also appreciate there's probably funding must feel ever 
you know, ever tighter. So I'm sure it's a balance, but I think, you know, anything music or, or visual art or dance that can connect with people right now feels, you know, just feels so important that we find things that pull people together at the moment. Yeah, un unfortunately, as important as all that undoubtedly is, uh, and I totally agree with you, I'm not sure that this government does because they're, oh, no. they're implementing yeah. a 20% cut on all arts education in higher education. 20%. Mm. I mean, I know. shocking. So, who's going to do the work? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really scary time, and I feel so much for you know people teaching in these institutions and also especially young people. I just think it's such a you know to be told that your industry has no value despite the huge value that the arts brings to the UK, you know, commercially, let alone culturally. is so short-sighted and you know not at all surprising given so many other aspects of this government but yeah it's a really scary time for people coming out of college and trying to find their feet to feel like there's no path ahead to you know what kind of careers are that people going to have and where's the value that our this country places on 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 this type of work it's just one government <laughs> they come and go Oh, that's <laughs> yeah well yeah hopefully hopefully um so um and and uh what's next in the anna meredith uh amazing things that i'm going to be doing very soon well i'm doing well I'm touring again which is quite fun um so m me and my band are we're at latitude on sunday which seems kind of crazy to think about now but we're back there and we're doing a few other festivals and then we're doing a little UK tour in November, which will be great and hopefully back to the US in March and, the, and some bits of Europe in February. So that's really great to hopefully be getting that again. I've missed it a lot. And after, you know, I, it was 2020 was because I put Fib's album out in 2019 and 2020 was meant to be this big year of touring where I wasn't going to do much writing because I'd done tons of writing and I was just going to be focusing on touring she says very entitledly and so I had a kind of you know it took me a while last year to sort of accept that it, you know that was over and that wasn't what this year was going to be and that I did need to do some writing hence writing all this this music um, yeah, I've got a few other things in the pipeline. I'm doing some film, music for some films, and hopefully writing another album as well as a touring. So some things are coming in. I've got a few other installation ideas, so I'm sort of pitching out. So there's a nice mix of film stuff, um, band stuff, and some installation stuff all kind of bubbling away. Tell us a bit about how the band sounds. I mean, who's, who's uh, you know, what are the other instrumentalists? Yeah, the band is great. I mean, we've been playing together for ages now, and I think we're going from strength to strength. I think the show feels quite different to how it did a couple of years ago. We're much more confident. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. So uh, I, there's a drummer, electric guitar, tuba, cello, and I do bits of clarinet, bits of drums, and we all sing badly, and there's obviously lots of electronics as well. Um, yeah, it's it's great. I love doing playing with the band they're all amazing people and we even go on holidays together as well as touring because we managed to somehow you know as as you know it's a it's a touring and playing is exhausting and especially 
doing it yourself and you sort of have this idea that there's going to be, you know, most bands I know are still, they're the ones driving themselves and setting everything up and playing and selling the merch and packing it all down. You know, there's not a big lot of support as there is for, I don't know, classical institutions. So it's, it's tough and, you know, you probably don't have a lot of financial support. But so I have so much respect for anyone in a band or, you know, doing a project, sort of independent projects. I know how tough it is to keep going with this sort of stuff um, and I'm you know really lucky for the support that we have people coming to gigs and you know the way that things are growing is it's been brilliant for us so um, you know long may it continue and I'm I'm so excited to start touring again I, think, I really hope it happens yeah it, it seems really like uh, like the Latitude Festival this year is a matter of will and determination you know yeah, I, I mean, I can't quite imagine. In a way, I'm thinking I'm quite pleased we're playing on the Sunday because I think it will give the odd or the people coming to the festival a, two, a couple of days to kind of get used to whatever. I don't. I mean, I, it'll be very interesting to see what it feels like. I don't know if we'll be coming out from backstage at all, but to see how it feels. Presumably by then, everyone will have figured out how they feel about being in a big tent together and are either doing it or not. I don't know. I mean. Um, It'll, yeah, I, I kind of, yeah, I'm really excited about it, yet can't quite imagine it right now, even though it's less than two days away. Uh, well, it looks like people are just doing it, doesn't it? And and the other thing that I've found um, about coming out of hibernation or isolation or wherever we've been um, is that you, you think about it and you, you worry about it, like getting on a train, going on a journey, and then you do mm. it and you think, oh, no, this is very familiar. I know yeah. how to feel on a train. Yeah. I know how I know. to drive 200 miles. Um, and, uh, oh, so I don't know what I was afraid of. But it, it is amazing how that period of not being out at all kind of affects you, even if it's only briefly. Absolutely. I mean, our ambitions and our have been so curtailed and you know going to the shops felt like a huge deal and all that stuff and so you're right any all this other stuff getting a first train journey going into someone's house for the first time hugging someone you know these all felt like big things and yet once you've done them I completely agree you kind of think oh it's yeah it's all it is of course what we've been doing our whole lives so yeah I've I could absolutely imagine that we'll play in this big tent and it will hopefully feel really familiar and really exciting it's the first i've done one gig that was a distanced show seated show in the barbican um of a orchestral piece of mine but this is the first sort of standing band gig so i can't quite yeah i'm i mean it could feel absolutely amazing I, i'm sort of sort of not thinking about it till i need to just because i can't quite get my head around it but i think it could be quite an emotional thing yeah i mean i think that they're doing the the festival with a certain amount of the whistles and bells that they've always had um that um old uh, the the lavish lounge which was where the radio three or lake junction thing used to happen and then it became bbc introducing i don't know that the bbc are connected with it this year because it was so uncertain but uh but the lavish la the lavish lounge is definitely there is it i mean we're playing at a bbc stage oh so... okay so is that six music or it's B it's called BBC Soundstage. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I'm not yeah I'm not sure what the official BBC connection is, but um, 
Yeah, it's a nice stage actually. I mean, it's a big tent, so if it's raining, which it looks like it's going to be, that's nice. So yeah. So um, you can see uh, Anna Meredith's works either this weekend at Sunset <laughs> House, or you can see her and her band at the Latitude Festival. If you're going, um, have a good weekend there if you are. Um, and, uh, and you know, you said you're going to the States next year. Is that South by Southwest Festival in Austin? It's actually not. We played oh. there a few years ago um, and it was great. Um, no, we're just doing, we've got a little tour in. It's sort of, we're going um, up the west coast and then down the east coast and then some bits in the middle if it you know again feels hugely unlikely right now but we we got i mean we we went in we went to the states last march and we dragged all our instruments and all our stuff at vast expense all the way over there and then had to come back before we did a single gig so it feels like a sort of bit of a point of pride at this point i'm determined to have a you know redemption redemption moment on that slightly disastrous trip so you're saying what was that last march yeah so you were there ready to go ready to start the tour and then the covid curtain came down yeah it was it was really dramatic we were driving to our first gig we had a really big long drive we spent a few days together on a holiday in new orleans and had an amazing time just three or four days and you know everything we'd done played at the six music festival which went ahead in the uk and then flew the next day to new orleans and and then just we were driving to our first gig and as just as we were driving i was just getting message after message saying we're gonna this show's cancelled this show's cancelled think we're gonna have to postpone you know just it, the whole thing was just kind of falling apart by the minute it was sort of heartbreaking and you know create you know baffling so we had to just say at some point look this is just you know we can't some of them a few of the venues at that point you know were saying oh well i guess you could still come and we'll do a tiny capacity but it, it, that i think we thought better just to come back and try and do it properly and so we just found found flights and dragged all our stuff all the way back a couple of days after we got out so it was a, in hindsight a bit ridiculous that we went but we didn't really obviously have a clue what was happening so no i mean no yeah. one knew what was gonna happen i mean <laughs> I mean, in, in these parts of the world, uh, people that haven't had to suffer pandemics for you know, a few generations. And actually, I don't think we were told much about the, uh, you know, the generation who suffered in 1918 to 1920 with the flu epidemic. Because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I don't remember my mother, for example, ever talking about it, except she was obsessed with everyone washing their hands all the time. But I just thought, oh, that's because you're older than me. But now, <laughs> now I think she was right. Yeah. No, you're right. It feels like there's been no blueprint for, you know, it doesn't, certainly doesn't feel like we're locking back into a familiar system that we know what to be doing. There's obviously been so many disastrous mistakes from the government. And um, yeah. It's it's yeah yeah who 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 would have ever thought you know in, in our wildest wildest guesses what would have been coming for us um, yeah no I know and you couldn't actually have uh, have written what appears to be the inside story of all the shenanigans in the government about the approach to it I mean I just I mean it's not <laughs> it's a lot darker than I thought it was but yeah but anyway. 
Um, enough of this. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it, I know that you have things to do and even the late lunch show must move on. Um, but I was going to play another couple of, of, of the Bumps Per Minute tracks. Um, yeah. and, and obviously I have to play the final track too because that's so good. Um, so I like you choosing them. Oh, okay. Good. I'm always happy to choose. I've got another couple of favourites. Hang on. Um, all right. I like. Oh, I like one three one. Um, that's yeah. One yeah. BPM one three one. Yeah. And I also put like one one o one is nice as well. Is that like room one o one? It's a little bit like that, but okay. slightly less fun. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, that could be. Um... Just going back to your titles, um, if it's really like Room 101, hmm, mm -hmm. that could <laughs> be uh, Dr. Bonesaw Goes to Crete, which could mean anything. <laughs> anyway, look. I can really character for that one, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it, it's been brilliant talking to you uh, once again. And this this is magic, this project, really. Um, it just kind of uh, it accesses people's minds and attitudes and obsessions. And, and I think everyone's got a kind of forbidden delight of the fairground. Um, yeah. Because it's just got so many things in it which are lovely and horrible at the same time. Do you remember those? Um, well, The Laughing Sailor. Um, do you know those things? Like you, but they were they're slot machines. You put a penny in, and a sailor laughs, and it laughs terrifying. and laughs. Yeah, it's terrifying. Um, and also there was there was this thing where you had a kind of um, torso with a head on it, and you put a ball mm. down it, and the ball came down, and uh, you know it scored you a certain amount of points, and if you got the right number of points, then you could choose something deeply crap from a shelf. <laughs> <laughs> and take it home and your mum would throw away. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah I, I remember them all. I also remember the goldfish dying too. Oh, God, I know. Actually, ours lasted for years. We had one called Dolphin for some reason. And Dolphin the fish lasted. Yeah, it was there for generations of Merediths. Really stuck it out. <laughs> okay, now look, let me just, having... having actually fished out both those tracks i must just check the numbers are we starting did you say with one three one yep good and then we're going on to 101 yeah okay yeah well um so i'm gonna say goodbye hope to see you again i hope the tour goes well i hope uh latitude once again hits the heights i'm sure it will and thank you very much yeah and um I love that band. I must see it again sometime soon. Oh, well, thank it, you. Hope to see you there. Yeah. Okay. So good luck with everything. See you soon. This is 131. <laughs>